Welcome to the Financial Coconut Podcast Network, the leading personal finance podcast network in Singapore. I'm your host, Reggie, aka your chief financial coconut, and every Tuesday, you will be spending more time with me. <laughs> and sometimes, I will be bringing some friends along as I take you through various leading ideas that I find interesting and worthy of your time in the personal finance world today. I've decided to call this segment First Dips, hoping that you and I can get first dips on these leading ideas. Hey Coconut, so today we are going to talk a little bit about SSB, Singapore Savings Bonds. Why? Because everyone's talking about it, right? <laughs> the CNA feature, you know, all your influencers, they're all talking about it because interest rates are moving up and you see the SSB's interest rates also moving up. So yeah, it becomes an interesting option. But the reality is, uh, to be very clear, it is still not the most exciting tool out there. So the question now is, who should consider SSBs? Right? What about comparing it to bond funds, comparing it to other interest tools? Yeah, is it all about SSBs? So today, I got a good friend on the show to share with us some factors to consider before deciding whether SSBs fit your portfolio. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Finally, we are on set again today with Chun Ting. <laughs> nice to meet you again. How have you been? Uh, a little bit under the weather. I think there's another sort of <laughs> wave of, I'm not sure what it is because it doesn't seem yeah. to be just COVID. But, but it's, part of, it's part of life, right? I mean, nowadays we yeah. people get sick and then we a uh, little bit down on, on productivity. But, you know, we just press on Mm. Yeah, la, la. I think we're both very sick today. La. So I'm also feeling a little <laughs> bit under the weather. I also feel like it's another wave, you know, because I, I caught COVID previously. Right? So I felt like there's some similarity. It's a bit of difference, but, but yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> so for, yeah, for all our listeners tuning in, the first time, you know, I mean, you've been on the show a few times, but for all the people that first time trying to get to know you, like uh, do a short introduction. Who are you? And all that jazz. Okay. Hello, everyone. My name is Trinting, uh, Trinting Faber, uh, I'm CEO and Chief Investment Officer of Money Owl. So, Money Owl is your NTUC social enterprise that uh, does financial planning. Yeah, so, for us, we are uh, really think, thinking about how to bring great financial advice to enable people to live their best possible lives. Right? And our kind of financial advice, what we want is uh, to offer something that is comprehensive and competent and conflict-free. Yeah, so that's us. Mm. So, so you say outside don't have good financial advice, is it? I didn't say, uh, <laughs> I say that I am the one providing it in this way. Right? <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, I get don't it. Go, get don't it. don't, and, don't and start you, fights for me that I don't need to, to, to fight. <laughs> this one will go viral, right? Then you can... <laughs> 
Yeah. Okay, okay. That's not our goal. That's not our goal for today, right? Mm. Uh, you've been on the show a few times and talk about bonds and fixed income. I mean, it's like your pet project, like you love it. So um, recently, there's been quite a whole discussion around uh, savings bonds, like Singapore savings bonds, right? SSB. And uh, yeah, I also saw a little bit of your feature on CNA. And then I was like, yeah, maybe I should ask Chen Ting to come and share with us a little bit more. Like, how do we then decide, you know, is this an investment product that we should look at? Mm. Right. So may- maybe to begin with, uh, you can kind of set the ground of like, what is SSB? And is it a bond? Like, is it different from a bond fund? You know, all that jazz. Sure. I think uh, SSBs are kind of uniquely Singapore uh, kind of innovation. And that one from Tourism Board, one, eh? Can I now use that? <laughs> <laughs> is, it, from is, it, is it uniquely? Yeah, I think STB one, uniquely Singapore. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Yeah, so great, I think great. The, uh, the thing that I always uh, say, which people get surprised at, is that the Singapore Savings Bond is not really a bond. Right? It is structured like a bond and it's called a, a bond. Uh, but it is different from a bond in several ways, right? Firstly, you and 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 SSB when you you can redeem any time during the term, and you will always get back your principal. So if you invest one thousand dollars, you will definitely get one thousand dollars, and then you get the kind of prorated uh, interest in between. So this is quite different from bonds in that bonds there's a price risk. A uh, price risk meaning that if and, and there's a what we call duration, risk sensitivity to interest rates. So just to keep it simply. If you buy a bond today at $1,000 and it says it has a uh, yield of 5%, so you get like 5% uh, coupon. And the next year, uh, general interest rates have uh, risen. So when interest rates rise, that means that the new bonds that are, say, uh, four years or five years, are giving more than 5 or 6%. So obviously, yours is less, less attractive, right? So what happens is that the coupon doesn't change. So what happens? Your price actually goes down, because if you sold your bond to somebody else in uh, for four years, you have four years left, right? You sold to someone in the market, and, and then they will say, okay, but then the new four year bond pay me more. So what happens is your price has to go down to make it uh, sort of equivalent. Uh. So that, that that's a that is what we call the price risk of a bond. Singapore savings bond doesn't do that at all. Right? You always can redeem uh, what you. Uh, and, and get back what you call power, you know, get back your 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 in your capital, and capital. Uh, so that that's that's and therefore it does it's not sensitive to the interest rates. So let's say the new mm. new SSB tranche is issued at higher interest rates, you will not suffer the effect of what I described just now with a with a proper bond. You will still get back one thousand dollars because the government will redeem it for you. So in that sense, it is not a, a traditional bond and it's really capital guaranteed and therefore it is like much safer than the uh than bonds. It's really in the in the category of savings uh, or even sort of cash. So it's quite flexible, uh, except that you can hold it for, for a long time or you can you can uh, redeem it within one month. Mm. Clarity is it really guaranteed? Like guarantee is a word, you know. Most financial people don't use. So I want to get clarity on uh, on that. Like, is it do, definitely we'll get back our capital? Like, is this part of the structure, or how, how is it gonna look like? Yes, yes, it's it's part of it's guaranteed by the government of Singapore. Yeah. So unless the okay. government doesn't doesn't default, uh, otherwise you get it back, lah. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Very good. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. So then, compared to 
what is out there in the market today, right? I think um, a lot of people are looking at SSB more as like a defensive or more like a cash flow generating uh, product, right? Um, and today I have decided to get you on to give us some pointers, right? To, to get a bit of clarity on like, is this for us or should we just, you know, take on bond funds as like part of the 80-20 or 70-30, you know, the, the usual kind of broadly diversified portfolio right so what is uh, point number one for all our audience you know, to decide if SSB should fit their portfolio yeah so for SSBs uh, I, as I described they're actually really more like savings right and uh, so the first point is what is the goal for the money you're investing like if it's the is it really for an emergency fund to put as a kind of cash or is it for the growth of your wealth so if it's for emergency cash then this is when it's important not to take price risk. And with bonds and bond funds, there is that price risk such that when you redeem them, uh, they you might be negative, lah, right? So this is this is what actually has been happening in the uh, the market with the least in the robo advisory scene when there were quite a number of so called cash management solutions, but they are actually invested. Uh, the underlying is actually bond funds, uh, albeit short duration bond funds. Then. Suddenly, uh, people say, hey, I thought this one is cash, you know. Uh, supposed to return me 2%, 3%. How can I got negative 3%? The reason is because mm. of the mark-to-market or the prices of the bonds have gone down. So, if that is not suitable for you, for your purpose, because you cannot take a certain percentage decrease in, in, in the capital, then you really are look, not looking for growth of wealth or even a low risk growth of wealth, which is what, what bond funds are, are sometimes used for. So if, if your goal is to keep emergency cash or cash stash and all that, right, then SSBs are suitable for you. But if you want to grow your wealth and move on, most of us want to grow our wealth beyond inflation, so beyond our emergency fund, uh, you cannot depend on SSBs. Uh. Uh, you you need to look at what we call <laughs> capital market instruments. Yeah, S- SSB market cannot make cannot cannot make that kind of money. Right? The government is not the government is not uh, building this product to make you very wealthy. Yeah. No, it's just savings, right? And it's it's great that savings rates have mm. gone up, but inflation is also going up. And in fact, the reason why why interest rates in general have gone up is because uh, policymakers are increasing interest rates in order to to dampen inflation around the world. So uh, SSBs or even low um short duration bonds, you can't really think about growing wealth above inflation, especially over the longer term. Yeah, so uh, so, so really the goal, uh, go for the money investing in your first point. If it's really for cash, then for in, uh, keeping rainy day funds, then yes, consider SSBs. But if it's for growing wealth, then SSBs are probably not suitable for you. Interesting. So then how in, in the in that narrow discussion of emergency and holding cash, right? Like, how much would you recommend people to hold in cash? How much is considered a good emergency? You know, I think that's a, also a good thing to point out. Yeah. So I think we recommend about uh, six months worth of expenses as your emergency fund. So this is standard uh, textbook uh, uh, for <coughs> financial planners. Why, like, why, why six months actually? Well, the emergency fund is there to tide over usually loss of income, that is where you get your cash from to look after expenses. So if something happens to you, usually because of the economy and all that, we should be able to find an alternative income within around six months. Now, of course, then there's some variation, right? Because you might mm. you might be uh, an entrepreneur and the business risk can be very large. Then it can go up to maybe 12 months. 
So you don't want to be excessive uh, because if you keep like what, three years and, and, and all that, right? You're probably underinvested. <laughs> yeah, so that might be too, mm. too excessive. So usually we say six months and then going up to 12 months. So around there, you should be quite comfortable. Because bear in mind that, of course, the rest, if it's in liquid uh, things, you, you don't, let's say it goes beyond 12 months, right? Uh, you, you might still have, uh, you, if you still have needs, I, I suppose you can always liquidate. Uh, some of your portfolio investments, but we, we we try not to go there. That's why we say we have an emergency emergency fund of, of around six to twelve months, so that you can your financial plan, which is an accumulation, can go on without any interruption, even if something happens to your job. So, so for for clarity's sake, when people think about emergency, it's really like worst 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 case, right? It's not it's not something that is kind of like sitting around because I, I think to to different people there's a little bit of a different texture in, in what is considered emergency right so some sometimes some people look at like this kind of cash pot as a more fluid situation where you know you can just kind of move money in and out it's okay but yeah. to some people it's like it's like emergency means right this thing is much like in the box with like two or three <laughs> locks you know only only cannot then we'll take out is, is, is that what I'm hearing from you like it must be at that no. kind of intensity no, 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 not really. So I think it's, you're right, it's the complexion of the terms that we use, right? So I think for most people, having, uh, losing a job can consider an emergency. Yeah. Right? Or, or, right. or stopping income emergency. Mm. Uh, I guess there's also general liquidity needs and all that. It, the, the correct term actually we call it liquidity ratio in the financial planning parlance. Right? So you can just say that it's basically, a certain amount that you need for uh, both daily uh, liquidity as well as in case you have some uh, unexpected expenses or unexpected loss of income. So it, it, it's up to you. Lah. And whatever it is, keep about six months worth of, of uh, cash. Lah. I suppose that's there. So obviously then we said that SSB is redeemable within one, one month at, at the most because it's at a fixed time of every month. Towards the end of the month, then they will actually give you the proceeds. So you can't like put everything and close down your POSB account and use, <laughs> use only SSBs. <laughs> la, right? I mean, you, actually, you still need a bank account to apply for it. So, so for, you should at least, of course, keep the liquid stuff that you need uh, there. Maybe, like, uh, let's say, six months, right? Maybe three months in cash and then maximum three months in something else that can be locked up to one up to one month. Uh, those are just very practical things. Yeah. Okay. So, wait, uh, how, do I, how do I then go about applying for SSB since you talk about it? Let, let us just lay it for for our audience, like how do I, if I want to do SSB, how do I do it? Yeah. Okay. So firstly, you need a CDP account because technically it's a bond, right? I mean, I say it's not a bond, but it is considered a bond in, in the, in the, in the <laughs> in government that. way. This is considered a security, right? So it has a, a certain like number and all that. So you need a CDP account, right? Then you need to, then you go to your bank uh, website, right? And basically make sure that you, Yes, all you're all linked up and all that, and you can just buy it uh, off the bank. Yeah, so you apply for it's considered Singapore government security. So you apply for Singapore government securities on the uh, bank internet banking and uh, the three local banks, uh, DBS, UOB, OCBC, and uh, and and that, that's it. And they will tell you how much you are allocated and all that. Yeah. Yeah, I heard recently very popular. A lot of people apply cannot get. You know. <laughs> I mean, when the, when the rates are high, it's very popular, right? So <laughs> I think last tranche, uh, the allotment was 13,000 or, or so. The one before that was 9,000. 
Yeah. So it's still decent. But of course, if uh, the maximum you can, any one person can have of SSPs at one time is uh, 200,000. Uh, so, so that's the, it's meant for ordinary people. Uh, you know, it's not, it's not meant <laughs> for, for people with like millions and millions of cash. Yes. Yeah. Yes, for people like you and I, middle income, ordinary people. Okay, yeah, uh, brings us to point number two, uh, and what would point number two be when deciding if uh, you know SSB is suitable for us? Right. So, firstly, we said uh, the goal, right? Goal for the money you're investing, uh, emergency fund or growth. So, the second point is what is the time horizon for this money that you're putting in to say SSBs or something else? We will continue this afterward from our. Sp- Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Sponsor. Great. So we're talking about the uh, pointers for uh, considering our SSVs investments. Uh, the first point we talked about was that consider what is the goal for the monies you are, you are investing. Is it for liquidity emergency or is it for growth of wealth? The second point is what is the time horizon for this money that you are investing? So if it's for liquidity, I think just now we mentioned that SSVs are redeemable at the end of every month. So we are you must be prepared for um, up to a month's lock-in. Uh, so like I say, like, don't, don't close down your, 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 your bank accounts and actually uh, put, you, you, need, you need liquidity in a normal kind of bank account uh, normally, right? But if you're, uh, then don't talk, talk about time horizon. If your time horizon is actually longer than, say, four years, you might actually want to invest it in a portfolio that at least has some equities to give you growth. Uh, because the... It's not that you cannot hold SSBs for years. Of course, you can hold SSBs for four years within your emergency fund. You can just let it remain there. But if the purpose of this, uh, or rather the, the time horizon for these funds can be longer than four years, then you might want to consider putting it in something that has a little bit more risk, but can give you a higher return. Mm. Yeah, so I think that's the, the second point, the time horizon. Mm. So, so then, what about for people that are looking at it, you know, like to max out for 10 years? Right, because I think the, the longest is in the SS the SSB the whole time period is ten year, right? So for people that have that kind of uh, the whole horizon is, is like ten years, they're willing to hold it too. You know, um, any thoughts on that for for them? Yeah, I mean, if it's within your kind of six six to twelve months of emergency fund, you can just let it be there, right, for ten years, and that's fine. So so there is a there's both the kind of quantum as well as quantum in terms of the, what, what this represents in terms of your portfolio uh, percentage as well as your time horizon, right? So what I'm saying is that let's say you already pass the 12, let's say you already have 12 months of emergency fund and then you actually have money that you can lock away for longer, then of course you can take more risk with it. But if it's, we are still looking at just rolling, you know, or rather just keeping invested in this, in this, and it's, it's still within your emergency fund purpose, then for all intents and purposes, uh, do that. I, I suppose this point is really a bit more like versus bond funds or versus equities fund. The, it's actually more uh, a caution, right? To say that do you, if you don't, if you put 
uh, money that you can lock away for a long time into SSPs, well, at most you just get the SSP return is a low return. But if you put money that you need in say less than four years time into something other than SSPs like a bond fund or equities fund, then you uh, bear you may not you may not be supposed to you you might bear a risk of loss uh, during because if you need to 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 redeem it, yeah. So in other words, SSPs are suitable as long as that money you don't need for at least you know. Uh, you don't need very soon, I suppose that that's another way of putting it. Fair, fair, fair. I think one one more clarification is: uh, am, am I right to say that once the SSB tranche is confirmed, like when it issues the the SSB, and then they actually have a very clear every year what is the interest rate? So like the tranches oh, yeah. and and yeah, and every year this is the interest rate. How is it going to look like? So once someone buys into it, um, this this interest rates don't change, right? It is essentially a fixed thing for ten years. That's correct, yeah. So you know exactly like this year how much you're going to get and next year how much mm. you're going to get mm. okay, in advance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's essentially, essentially the beauty lies there that, you know, it's, it's, it's essentially no longer subjected to market movements at all. Yeah. Right? Interest rates, yeah. outside change, equity portfolio change, everything can change, you know, but this is the mm. kind of guarantee that um, the issuer, which is the government, um, is going to provide. Yeah, so you only have this like kind of uh, envy, la. You say, ah, yeah, I shouldn't have. I, I, I didn't go and do it too early because next month one actually went out some more, you know. So that is the only thing. But it doesn't mean anything for you in terms of you, you're still getting what uh, you you were promised. Is there a little bit of uh, thoughts that you can share with us as to how the interest rates are decided when it's issued? Oh, okay. It's actually based on the Singapore government bond, uh, the uh, Singapore government securities, of the month before. Right? So the government sort of like uh, looks at the one year, two year, three year, interpolate the thing and over 10 years. And so it, it's very, very close to the uh, what the actual government uh, bonds that are trading, uh, have traded the month before. Yeah. So I, th- I think it's quite quite open thing that they say. That's why they're able to determine it uh, for you upfront. Yeah, if if you want to be super geeky, actually they have a paper that they publish. I right? show you the formula, everything. It's all there. So <laughs> yes, <laughs> if you want to go there, you can go there. It's on the MAS website, by the way, for all of you listening. <laughs> I don't know. I think we for for us retail crowds, you know, we just want to know like what is it like? How certain are you? You know, or what are the risk factors? Right? I, I'm not sure how many people will go and like really check the formula, you know. <laughs> but if if so, you do great, good on you. Okay, so cool. Then um, bring, and this brings us to point number three of deciding whether SSB fits your portfolio, and that would be what is actually the amount, the absolute quantum that you are putting into SSBs, and because that affects the application and redemption fees, and so don't uh, underestimate the impact of fees of on your return. The minimum amount of SSBs you can apply for is $500. Now, if you put just $500 in, you still have to pay the $2 application fee. right? So this immediately takes it off the return. But it's not so bad. If you hold it for 10 years, that's fine. But if you after three months, you want to churn, right? Then you need to think, <laughs> well, actually, that, oh, by, by the way, if you redeem it before, before 10 years, right? You actually have to pay another $2 fee. Okay? okay. Because... The, the banks are providing this as a service. They don't actually really want to do this business. Uh. It's just that 
they have to, right? Does government say so? <laughs> Part of the so, license, ah. Yeah, right. correct. If yeah. So, I don't like you do. <laughs> primary, primary dealer, ma, right? right yes, so, yes. All that. so, so that's why they're going to recoup all the costs uh, from you. Yes, yes. So, <laughs> when you're small, when, when it's a small amount, obviously, uh, the, the fees really eat into your return, right? So, so say, uh, I did a quick calculation. Let's say you are buying only $500 worth uh, of say October's SSB and uh, October's first year interest is 2.6% uh, right and you hold it only for 6 months so what do you get is at the end of this 6 months you get uh 1.3% right so you get $6.50 interest but then you pay $4 in fees you know, and all that so so the effective yield is like less than 1% per annum right as a result so your headline is 2 point something but because you're doing this and you think that you're being very smart and clever because uh, you you redeem already. Next next tranche is even higher. But actually, you have uh, you just paid away a lot of fees. I think in investing, it is quite uh something that costs are something you can control. And uh, this is in fact, it's probably one of the only things you can control in terms of cost, right? When it comes to investing, and costs always get into return because one percent more fees, right, means one percent less return for you. Right, so that is uh very important to to bear in mind for all investments, uh, and as the frictional cost that comes with investments that uh, particularly impact a uh, retail investors. Yeah, and one percent I think to a lot of people doesn't sound a lot, right? But when you compound it, and you add together, it, it's quite crazy. So you know, for all you tuning in, don't don't look down or even that point five percent, right? <laughs> it's gonna make a world of difference thirty years down the road. Yeah, interesting, interesting. And and you you, you I remember you were saying like uh, you know this is not the only product out there you know that can do this kind of cash funds. In fact, there's some unit trusts that are like uh, more interesting that could also provide something similar. You know, and I, I think a lot of people, uh, including myself in the early days, feel like hear this word unit trust very afraid. You know, so because I think a lot of people got a lot of bad experience. It's like unit trust, I apple kaila confirm fail, right? But it's actually just a structure, right? And uh, I I want to hear a little bit uh, on on that front, like what's so innovative about some of these new up and coming um, unit trust? Right, actually, they're not up and coming. Already have yeah. So I'm conflicted <laughs> here because uh, uh Maniawa carries <coughs> one of these, right? Oh, and uh, yeah. but before I talk about unit trust, I think I want to talk about alternatives to cash savings to SSBs. Uh. And uh, basically, a, a few. One is fixed deposit, fixed deposit rates. Uh, of course, the the thing about fixed deposit is that uh, I think the last one I I heard was I think about two point six percent for for a certain amount, and you, of course, it's fixed right? So it's not as flexible as SSBs, and the rates don't seem as good. But then again, you manage. You can always get your the quantum that you want uh, ahead of time. There's also Singapore government T bills. So T-bills are kind of three, six months and even the one year. So they become quite popular because the yields are actually quite high because they, they are, they're kind of follow and you can buy almost as much as you want. Of course, if the demand is really overwhelming, the yield might, a final yield that prints might be, might be slightly lower. There are some fees, again, again, it's something you apply through, through your banks. There might be some fees. Uh, the, but the main thing about T-bills is uh, you please hold it for the tenure that, that you bought. Otherwise, there might be that price risk that we talk about because they are, they are actually real bonds or, or what. So these are some of the uh, alternatives that where there is a guarantee, a proper guarantee, either by the bank within the deposit limits or the, or the, or the government. And of course, there are all these high interest savings accounts nowadays, right? If you do salary credit plus this, plus this, plus this, then you can get to know no, what, right? This reward, so, that reward, a lot of things. Uh, yes. Uh, correct. So that one is 
it's, I think it makes sense if you are doing business with the bank anyway, like you already have a mortgage to the bank and all that, then put it in that account rather than the normal uh, savings account. But the effective interest rate, because it's always tiered and it's always subject to you doing certain actions, uh, may not be as high as the headline rates of three or four that they have been advertising. But it is a good option. And this is where it can be, it can, it's really the liquid, liquid stuff that, that you do. Uh, just be aware that uh, sometimes, right, the, a lot of it is about hooking you to buy an insurance product so you can get a higher interest rate, right? So just make sure that you don't, you only do it if it's the best product for you. Uh, you probably end up paying more in fees like, than you get in I the know. interest rates. Okay. Yeah. So these are the alternatives, each with their perks. And for me personally, I don't really bother that much with, with that. I just go with the DBS multiplier because my mortgage is with, with DBS. And uh, then I, I just put what I, what I have in there. So I recap uh, the, the alternatives are the fixed deposit with the bank is fixed deposit and this uh, saving account. And then there's also the uh, SGS T bills uh, for, for, for sort of guaranteed, guaranteed uh, cash savings. Now on this unit trust or cash management accounts, I think the, uh, I mentioned just now that in the last two years, we have had a lot of so-called cash management portfolios come out and they're, they're formed with unit trust. And, uh, we need to look at the underlying. It's really caveat and tour, right? So just because somebody says this is a cash management account, calls it cash or something, you look un- in the underlying fund. If the underlying fund doesn't say it's a cash fund, it is not really made of cash. It's probably a bond fund. It's a li- they might call it liquidity something or whatever, right? So so just because someone calls something a cash management portfolio doesn't mean that it's really cash. Uh, you you find like kind of China bonds in there and all that high quality short duration but still it is bonds it is not cash. Now the however there are a few cash funds. Uh, Money Hour we also carry one and we put it under our Y Saver portfolio and it constitutes of the Fullerton Cash Fund. So this Fullerton Cash Fund is uh, interesting because it started actually as a treasury management for Temasek. So I think I think you all know that Fullerton is a Temasek subsidiary. So. Uh, what happens is that uh, Fullerton takes the money, the excess so-called treasury money, right? And, and they start to place up into fixed deposits for and ladder the, these various fixed deposits with the banks. Then they, But they structure it as a unit trust so that it transforms what is fixed into something that's very liquid. And so because they have this maturity that they have multi- multiple banks, multiple partners, and they can negotiate for, for good rates, with these Singapore registered banks. So is it guaranteed, are these deposits guaranteed in the same way as a bank deposit? The answer is no, because what you're getting is units of the unit trust. So what can happen is that if the bank, something happens to the bank underlying, right? The bank has obligations to the depositing entity, but not to you unit trust holders. However, because the underlying is fixed deposit, it is very, very low risk. La. It's, it's virtually no risk. The risk is actually the uh, default. Okay, so so what happens with these instruments and what's innovative about it is that in, in times of rising rates, right, the rate goes up along, alongside, uh, along with your uh, uh, time. So you don't have to, say, break your fixed deposit. You don't have to redeem and put in a new new tranche of uh, SSBs. It just goes up and up. So my saver portfolio today is rolling Average is like 2.39% or something, you know, and that, that is a gross yield. 
what you get, of course, is NAV to NAV. And then if you take away fund expenses of 0 0.15, it's still about uh, 2.2 something. For something you can redeem within uh, one day, it's actually uh, very good for, 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 to, for what you get. And because of it is very safe, and you can buy as much as you want. <laughs> uh, there's no, there's no, and there's no $2 fee or $4 fee. There are no, there are no fees. Right? There are no mm. fees associated except for the fund expenses. I mean, for the management expenses that, are, that like I said, is 0.15% per annum. But still, uh, net in your return will be uh, definitely over 2%. So quite close to fixed deposit rates, actually. Um, and, and you can consider that if once you're maxed out your SSBs uh, uh, or, or if you don't want it to be so much fun, you can... You can definitely consider that. We, we have a lot of interest recently and we had a lot of inflows because uh, people realized that they, they want very safe and they want uh, to make, take advantage of the use. So in fact, I have many uh, banker clients, you know. Who say, really? Oh, no need to, no need to yeah, banker clients, because mm. they work in the banks, they know they know mm. what, is, uh, what is worth it, right? Uh, and it's a fixed deposit fund that is not fixed. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Right, so so that's a fix. We get close to fixed deposit rates that uh without having to 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 lock in. Yeah. Nice, nice. So that's, that's interesting. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Thanks for um, coming on the show to share with us all these good jazz. And uh, for all of you that would like to explore what Chinting and team can provide you, then you should check out Money Hour. Maybe we should put an affiliate link below in a podcast or something, right? We will arrange something, okay? But yes, please yes, check them out. Yes, yeah. we'll arrange something. Please check them out. And I think uh, Chinting is amazing. Always coming to share with us a lot of good stuff. So, I'm going to sum up today the three points in deciding whether SSB fits your portfolio or should you consider things like bond funds or equity funds. Uh, but specifically for SSB, point number one is what is your goal for the money you're investing, right? Is it an emergency fund or is it for wealth growth? Uh, if it's for emergency fund and you need it to be very certain, you need it to be there, there's your six months expenses, your 12 months expenses, you know, that kind of bottom line safety net, then yeah, definitely SSB is something that is a very powerful and it supports your need for that uh, goal, right? But if you're looking for something to grow your wealth, then uh, maybe you can look elsewhere. SSB does not have the kind of, you know, interesting upside yield that uh, some other investors are looking for. So, Point number two is, uh, what is the time horizon for the money you are investing in? Of course, some people will say like, oh, eh, okay, 2-3%, not bad. Then I just hold in for a long time and that's it. Right? But the reality is, if you hold a lot of money in SSB or anything similar with the interest rates that are in this space, you're really, um, maybe maybe you can consider yourself that you're under-investing. You're not capitalizing on all the upside yield. Right? So what are you really doing and what is the kind of time horizon that you have with your money will help you decide whether SSB fits your portfolio. And of course, point number three is uh, 
what is the amount you're going to be putting in. And if you're going to be moving money in and out, right, then you're going to lose out in the fees because you do spend money um, in trying to buy into SSP, which is about $2. And when you sell out, you know, before the tenure is up, also $2. So yeah, I think for a lot of you, uh, small retail investors that are trying to build your portfolio, you know, maybe don't think about it as uh, like a bank account, like in, out, in, out, right? So fees will eat into your return. So with that, I hope you learned something useful today. See ya. Okay, coconut. So I hope you found it useful today with Chinting, and uh, I love it. She always comes on to talk about fixing income and bonds. Yeah, I mean that's her her pet project, right? Like, I mean, it's her first love. I mean, she said it in I think the third episode of Chills. My goodness, it was like a year plus ago when I first interviewed her at her office with a lot of echo. <laughs> I mean, back then we were we were innocent, a very innocent with production. But anyway, uh, yeah, I hope you found that useful. And I think recently there's just been a lot of. Uh, uh, it's been a lot of uh, hard times, a lot of you know noise, a lot of fluctuation in the market. Uh, US dollar continues to climb, it's affecting every other market because it's just forcing capital to move around a little bit too much, right? So, yeah, maybe SSB is something of uh, stability can help you. But that being said, I think it's uh. Don't forget the long-term goals, although you may fear the short-term fluctuations, okay? Just protect yourself a little bit. Uh, but yeah, don't forget your longer-term goals. Next week, next week, we're going to talk a little bit about recession, right? Since a recession is coming. Actually, I recorded this with Brian. Brian Halim, right? From uh, Forever for Financial Freedom, right? <laughs> Forever Financial Freedom. Yes, <laughs> I think that's the very cheesy website name. And we'll also drop his link in the description below. So yeah, um, he... Oh yeah, we also are dropping Chun Ting's link in the description below. So if you enjoy what she shared and uh, you would like to explore some of the options that they provide, please check out the link in the description below uh, to link over to Money Hour, okay? Where Chun Ting is the CEO and CIO, okay? But next week, next week, we're going to talk a little bit with Brian. So uh, actually, I recorded this with him earlier, right? Uh, <laughs> a little bit earlier when there was the first recession call, where the first, the first, first time the market came down, the recession, you know, calls came in and the US came out and say, oh, maybe uh, we want to redefine what is recession. <laughs> so whatever, lah, whatever it is, at a point in time, market was a little bit choppy and people were concerned. So I recorded that with him. Uh, but yeah, after that, a lot of things happened. It stacked, stacked, stacked and pushed all the way till now. It just so happened. Just so happened. Okay, bad news. Bad news is just so happened. Recession continues to stack. And uh, yeah, whatever you said, uh, it's going to be very beneficial for all of us. So yeah, see you next week with Brian on uh, the recession strategies for millennials, you and I.